Guys, thank you for coming out. Um, say this with me. I can buy a backpack. Backpack. I can buy a backpack. I will buy a backpack. In Jesus' name, A. All right. We're going for 100 backpacks. And you just confess in front of witnesses in Christ Jesus that you will bring a backpack. There's no wiggle room. God sees you if you sin. How do you like that, huh? Isn't that manipulation? I don't care. <laughs> Kids need our backpacks. So they've been slow coming in. Guys, if you're out and about, grab a backpack. It's going to help a child out. We do. We sponsor a school, Reagan Elementary, and they'll be so glad. Later on this year, we're going to do a coat drive because they need coat. The kids need coats and stuff. But a backpack will help them out tremendously. We think it's a little thing to them. It's a very big thing. So you want to do that. Before I preach, though, I want to get and, uh, just give you, a, um, give you a state of affairs with the church um, concerning what happened this weekend with uh, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Anybody been looking at the newspaper? And we've had a um, few people text me and ask me what my stand was on it. And if you know me, I don't um, use um, Facebook. I don't use Twitter to uh, talk about what I will tell you in person and how that's affecting everybody in the church and how some things about the right and all that in the church. And um, for our church, for me, and we dealt with this issue before, and you've been here before, and I told you what I believe about uh, sin, what you're witnessing is sin being played out in public. Uh, you've known that um, you talk, I talked to you about biblical responses. You know, when, when the very beginning of creation, God made them Adam and Eve, and uh, they were great. They were walking with God. Man fell, and what ended the world in? Sin. And the first murder was the next chapter. No one's learned how to hate, but the sin nature in us can cause us to hate, especially if you're taught the wrong way. My heart breaks for them. I want you to pray for them. Uh, there's no sides. Um, sin is sin. We know as a church, our mission, that's why our, our core values is diversity, devotion, discipleship. We shifted the diversity first because I just felt the Lord said, get ready because things are starting to manifest around us and we need to be a perfect example of what God calls to be his people. If you look around here, there's no segregation in this place and we work hard and we're proud of what God has put us, put you guys together, put us together. Is it easy coming to a multi-generational, multicultural, um, ethnic church? No, but it's the most fulfilling thing to do. And we're, when we meet together, anywhere we meet and we meet with different people, I guess what? We are... Um, giving a signal that the church does work. But here's the thing. The church is the only one, the only entity on the planet that can stop what we see outside. Sin entered the world. The only way to get rid of sin is through salvation. The gospel is the power of God to change people's lives. If you want, no more, you want to read more about what I read, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 22, how God took two poisoned people, and there was a petition of, of bitterness between the two people, and he made one through the cross. Our God, I mean, Jesus Christ is a peacemaker. I don't mind attacking this on the social realm, but the social realm says, let's just keep peace until more trouble comes. On the gospel realm, it says, we're going to make peace that no more trouble comes. Make sense? So, there's no sides or anything except we just pray for everybody. It's devastating to see people um, hating one another. And if you ask them one-on-one, they have no idea why they're doing it. 
They hurt it. They hurt, you know, and it devastates people. There's no such thing as anybody being more superior than anybody else. At the cross, we're all level. Doesn't how much money you make, socioeconomic state, the color of your skin. When we're at the cross, we're all God's children. And he leveled it on the cross to help us uh, show the world what this really looks like. So think about if you want to respond through Facebook, post, um, through Twitter, pray before you post. Okay? Because in our unique situation, if you post something and they go, you go to this church, you can hurt your brother on the side of you who didn't do anything. It all costs us to come here. We know that. It all costs us something. Our preferences, our ethnic diverse, everything, our ethnic background, it costs all of us to sit here. But we, because we do that because we love each other. And God has brought us together. The peacemaker makes us drop out our walls of separation. And he makes us one body. The one man, the ra- all races were built. Racial word is eth- nothing but a social word. Ethnic, ethnos is in the Bible. If you go to chapter 2, verses 1 to 22, you'll see what I'm talking about. How sin and death entered the world. And how God, through his great mercy, took away sin. And through sin, we're reconciled to his salvation. We're reconciled to God first. Right? And then reconcile to one another. That's why he left us two command, one commandment and one commission. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as your... Amen. And then the second thing is he said, you love each other, then I want you to go make disciples. I want you to replicate who you are. That's only, he knew we couldn't get along. So that's why he used Jesus as the center. But we can get along under the skies of Christ. It does hurt it's very disappointing. That can be your emotions. But I want the truth to guide my emotions, not my emotion to guide the truth. Amen? So I want to share that with you, and I just want to time the time of prayer before we get started. But this is very important to me in this house, but if you ever get to go out and see, if you come by, and us men meeting out in, in Denny's and all of us sitting there, all different place from all different places. We represent something special. People are like, who are these guys? You know, and who are these people that come to this church that come in all from different areas um, with the body of Christ? The way God called it, the way He wants it. So pray for your brothers and sisters who are lost. They're not evil. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. When we know Christ, we'll fight like Christ. It's not the person. The person is not the enemy. Our enemy is not color. Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is the devil and his spirit. Amen? I just wanted to share that with you because that helps us all out. Um, even sharing this, some people had, we lost some people last time I got them shared because they, we don't want to press that area, but we have to because we're the church. That's what we do. I'm your uncle. You got to like it or not. You don't like it too bad. You know what I mean? I, you know, I'm a better looking uncle than one you probably have, but that's okay. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I ask God that you open our hearts and we're able to see with your eyes what we see in the world. We ask that you have peace. We need peace in our government, which will bring peace to our cities, which will bring peace to our families. 
I ask God that you are infusing yourself in every area. This is not taking you by surprise. Father, where we call a devastation, you call the church. This is our greatest opportunity to display your glory here on earth. And you said the manifold wisdom of God, the multicolored wisdom of God that is being, is being relieved and being revealed in the heavens is going to start being revealed on the earth. Your wisdom, your, multi, your manifold, which is the multicolored, ethnic, generational, cultural movement that you started, that you will move out and it will transcend our communities, our nations, in all areas. We thank you, Father, that you are the one, our peace. We thank you that you don't keep peace, you make peace. So, Father, I pray for those who are hurting just from the hate that they see. Let them know sin is sin, and sin destroys, but love restores and reconciles. Help those who are angry to be reconciled to you so they can be reconciled to people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anyway, you come at a great time on our Unshakable series. How many have been enjoying Unshakable? Good. Today, we're actually, if you're doing the purple book, you're carrying the purple book, we're in chapter 9, verses 95 through 96, talking about hope and um, talking about all the different things in hope and our long-range hope of God's giving an anchor for our soul, which is God is the God of all hope. And today we're just going to unpack some things. Before we do that, I want to read something to you. I've been looking online and knowing how our nation is. Someone said a statement just a little while ago that now we're going to be involved and America is going to be involved in hopeless situations. And I started looking at the word hopelessness and took me to a place which we noticed that we've been dealing with suicides lately. And hopelessness is a, is a sign, one of the warning signs that uh, people are about to um, destroy them, about to kill themselves. And when it says this, it really, hopelessness is a feeling that, it's a feeling that conditions will never improve and that there's no solution to a problem. And for many, a feeling that dying by suicide would be better than living, which I was talking about, I've been hearing because the news has been so negative lately because that sells. Down here, young people, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm afraid to bring a child into this world. You shouldn't be afraid to bring a child into this world because what, what you hear, because what you see is, not, is not, there's something deeper under the surface. But it causes people, what you see, to become hope, feel hopeless. If you ever heard these words before, things will never get better. Uh, there's no solutions to my problems. I'll never be happy again. I'll never get over what happened. I'll never get over what happened. I don't see things ever improving. Here's the one that we hear quite often. There's no point in even trying anymore. Ever hear that? There's a couple of them. I just want to give up. There's no hope for me. The future is empty for me. And I only see things getting worse in the future. I'll never get back to the way I was. And they're saying those who are feeling hopeless is in a part of depression. Also, they have a mental illness which when you hear these words, it should be a check to say, we need to be encouraging them because they're this close of ending it. You ever been somewhere you felt, there's no, there's no way out of this. I mean, it's just, it's too overwhelming. 
And that's our flesh thing. Well, oh, man, I can't make this. And that's what happens with that. I love what Charles, I love what, um, Charles Spurgeon says. He says, the worst forms of depression are cured when the Holy Scripture is believed. Worst part forms of depression are cured when the Holy Scripture is believed. And what we're going to do now, we're going to spend our time in the Holy Scriptures. If you've got your Bible, we're going to go to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Guys, I know you're having a hard time seeing this. We tried to get new projectors. They didn't work out. They're both gone. We'll have new ones next week. We apologize. But everything goes wrong on Sunday morning sometime. So, uh, therefore, since it says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through we also have obtained access by faith, faith into his grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, when we look at hope in the Bible, the Bible says about biblical hope is much more than simply longing for something that might happen. It's really this. It's a confident expectation rooted in faith that God will do what he has promised. That's biblical hope. There's confident expectation that is rooted in faith that God will do what he's promised. When we look at the scripture, verse 1 says, Since then we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say this little caveat here. Basically, if we don't have peace with God, we don't have peace with people. And you know, it's those who are out there doing things, they have no peace with God. So they can't have peace with people. But this fancy word here, justification, fancy word, we celebrate and everyone says amen. No one knows what it means because we all suffer from it. It's a justice word, justifying. It means to acquit, to declare, or to declare righteous. Now, what he's saying is God declares us righteous, which is the declaration of peace. Tell you what I mean by that. Man's sin, like we talked about in Adam. A man had to pay for the sins of mankind. That man, who was God, became is Jesus, who died on the cross, who took all our sins, and the penalty of sin was death. He paid that for us. Come on, somebody. That's good news. So you don't have to say, I'm guilty. You're not guilty if you're under Christ. Paid that, rose up for our justification. He paid the penalty. He did more than that. You know how we have long memories? The devil does. He took what we owed and God expunged it from the record. When you expunge something, it's never remembered. Now, we have a thing called pardon something, but we always remember who was pardoned, don't we? 
Here, God doesn't, oh, it's done. It's expunged. The record is sealed. There's nothing there. If you're in the courtroom and the devil is accusing you, God is taking care of all of it. He, Jesus is sitting there. Nope, he's expunged. It's not there. I took care of that. 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 So it's expunged. So by faith, we have been justified. Just like you never did it. That was good news the last time I checked. So when you look at justification by faith, that's what it means. Now, justification and reconciliation go together. You got to remember that. They go together. Because once we were justified, we've been reconciled back to God. Once we give our life to Jesus, the relationship has been restored. There's nothing keeping us down. I'm back. So justification had to happen so reconciliation can take it. And when a man and a woman turn their life to Jesus, they've been reconciled to God. That means we're not, have hostile, we're not in hostilities any longer. We have peace. Our justification was a declaration, peace. At, you were at war. So those who are sitting here, you're not a Christ follower, not trying to hurt your feelings. You were at war with God. You give your life to Christ, you're at peace. And most of the time, if you're sitting there and you're now a Christ follower, you're getting beat up by guilt and shame of what you've done, and you forgot we have a Lord and Savior who took that over 2,000 years ago. He's waiting for us to make one good decision so we can be cut short. So that gives us unshakable hope because he took care of all of that. I hope really we have a joyous hope is the first one. Joyful hope. Why is that, you know, we can have unshakable hope because we have a joyful hope. Let's look at verse 2. Kind of interesting. Through him we also obtain access by faith into this grace in which we, what, stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, that word access means we have constant access, the favor and freedom to enter his presence at all times. The Old Testament, for the only way to get people to get close to God, they had to get them a priest. And the priest would go in, get all dressed up, and do all these rituals. He will go into the behind the curtain, and he had to stand before God, and, tell, and he had to confess the sins of the whole nation, and, and had to deal with that. We weren't allowed to get that close. The problem with the priest was they always had a nice rope tied around him, because if he messed up before God, he would die in God's presence, and they'd pull him out. And the next guy was not going to go. I'm not going. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. It's not my rotation yet. Send him. You know, <laughs> right? And you work, you live your life every year, hoping and be, your sin will be forgiven, but never expunged. And when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was ripped in half, so we have complete access to the Father. It's like me. And I can go boldly before the throne room of God with confidence and receive help and receive grace. Come on, somebody. And the grace I received, it was grace that got me in this relationship because it was grace and mercy that took my sin, put us back in the relationship, but they didn't leave me there. He says, guess what? Every step you take every single day is in my grace and empowered by my grace. So I'm going to enable you to live right. Right? That's cool stuff. Now, when I'm talking about access, it's like me. Think of this. Get a picture of mine. Pastor Rich is flying to D.C. tomorrow. I got to talk to the president. I go to the White House, and you see me on TV. 
And I get in the gate, and I tell them, first secret service, man, I need to talk to the press. I got something to say. What are you going to tell me? Man, that's not the next point. That hurt. Right? All the bodyguards. I can't get access. When they talk about that scripture access, you're talking about us going to the president, and he opens the door, open door policy. What do you need, Rich? What do you need, John? What do you need? I'm here for you. All the time. And the only bodyguards I walk up there with are my angels. And he can't deny what he said. Now, am I walking in his presence and I just repented? Yeah, but am I guilty? Is he going to throw me out because I have to repent? No, he doesn't look at my sin. He looks at the person. He took care of the sin. He left us a great thing called repentance that we ought to practice every, you know, you get up every morning on Monday morning. How many of you don't have to practice repentance? <laughs> great practice. You get on, who goes on, who goes on three, Luke 322? How many times y'all repenting? Okay, all right, like I just said, okay, yeah. If you're not, then you're a sinner, you need it anyway, but. Uh, he gives us that, and instant, instant restoration. Because he only had to die one time. That gives me joy. And the other thing he says, we have joy in the glory of God. Whoa, you're talking about at the end, the script is fixed. When I see him, I'll, I'll see him as he really is, He'll start to, I'll start to see me as I really am at the end. The guy you see here now in heaven, I'm going to be buff. Right, honey? I'm going to be with my honey. That's right. So, <laughs> I gotta get, okay. <laughs> but we have to remember this. While we're here, the more you know Jesus, listen to me, the more you're in his presence, the more you know yourself. We fight against lies about where we come from, what we're good at, what we're not good at, where our strengths are. But you got to understand, the more you know Jesus now in his presence, you don't have to wait to get to heaven, the more you get to know who you are. But that's not the label that someone gave you years ago. It's who Christ says who you are. You'll know who you are when you get to know him more. The first step in our relationship with Christ is knowing him so we know us. And the more we look like Christ, we see like Christ, right? We speak like Christ. We respond like Christ. And then we understand those who don't have Christ and what they're capable of doing. Don't get angry at the person, the spirit. They, we're capable. That's why God knew we're capable of a lot of things without Jesus. We hear, I thought they would never do that. Without Christ, you'd be surprised what we would do. Remember, y'all let fly, go drive through uh, Luke 3.22. What goes in your mind? And, and you get in my way, I'm going to. Hate, hater, anyway, <laughs> joyful hope. 
We boast, that word boast, rejoice means you boast in God's work. You boast and have a great time. We're boasting. We're rejoicing and boasting about this thing is fixed. Wow. So I can enjoy life. God is, you never hear someone, God is awesome, man. God is great. You're just boasting. You can't say you're great. He's great. He makes you great. We're all great. Which gives me the next thing. You start to grow. Then he doesn't want to leave it there. He wants you to have, we can, reason why we have unshakable hope, because we, next two, we have a strong hope. Now, this is the one, don't check out on me, because we know how it is in church today. We're not allowed to talk about suffering, but you have to know this. You have to understand this, so you can comprehend this and do greater things for God. We know we were more than conquerors, but how do we get there? It's called pressure. Verse 3, two, I mean, 3 and 4 says, not only that, we rejoice in our no one's saying, no one's talking. In our knowing that, key word, I know something. Suffering produces, and endurance produces, and character produces. So when we're walking with God, our trials work for us, not against us. He's up to something. So, Pastor Rich, you understand, I'll learn endurance in the class. No, you won't. You won't show up. So he comes, and he brings these nice, uh, with that word, suffering means pressure. He brings people you don't like into your life because you want to learn how to love, right? How many, love, you say this, God, teach me how to love people that's hard to love. How many have I said that prayer? Raise your hand. It's okay. All right, you better raise it because I have to find out no one here is safe, right? So what does he do? He sends you the most difficult person on the what? And then we complain, right? And then we leave our jobs. Because they're, right? We leave. We don't have endurance to learn. Right? And you ever had prayer? God, just get me out of this fake God-forsaken job. Isn't God forsaken because you're there? And I need to form this character in you. Stay on the anvil. Stay on the anvil. And y'all are like, I don't want to be on the anvil. <laughs> Me and Pastor Donna have a great mentor. <laughs> he gives us all this. We tell him, this happened, he says. This is his famous line. I'll say it before he finishes it. Rich, God is forming a man. I'm like, is he done yet? <laughs> is he done yet? But those tests turn to testimonies for those who need it. And if I have problems with patience, he's going to work it out. Because James 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. Verses 4 says this. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So if you're going through a test or you're going through pressure, you have to praise God that he sees something in you, you don't. One amen, right. <laughs> that means half of us in the middle of a pressure right about now, aren't we? <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I encourage you a little bit? You're either, you either going into pressure or you're pre- in pressure or you're just leaving pressure to go back into pressure. How you doing? You know what promotion is? Pressure. Well, think about it. You know, in, in uh, Matthew 24, he gives them five talents, right? 
That's good. Okay, I took my five. I made another five. Here, Lord. He says, walk into the joy of, of the Lord. Now, take over another ten, five. Oh. And then Luke, says, now you're going to be in charge of ten cities. I was struggling with five. Now you're going to give me ten, and when you get done with ten, you're going to go to fifteen. And no one likes strong hope because I can feel the pressure. But if you're in something now, guys, God's working. Listen to me. God's working for you right now because you see something that needs to be complete in you so you can be very effective to him outside. So much he loves us that he forms us. He doesn't keep us the same. Left up to me, I'll go to every class, but the only way you find out is pressure. It's too pressure. You get on airplanes to fly, you know what you need to get off the ground? Pressure. You're going against the wind. And it's lifting you up. Eagles, when they see they come into a storm, you know what eagles do? They turn into the wind and they go higher. Pressure pushes them up. Pressure pushes us all up. And when you know that, your hope gets stronger as you're going up. The more weights you pull, right? You start pulling off the rack when you go back. In, you know, in January, one's going to go back and do what they are, they're not doing now, right? And, um, and they start lifting. What happens when you, get, when you max it out? If you have some good friends, what do they do? We have a good God. Take some more. Because I don't want you lacking anything in your marriage. I don't want you lacking anything to raise your children. I don't want you lacking anything for what I have you to do. The church in the last year or so, 2016, we have been going through a lot of growing pains because God saw what he sees now, that we're so valuable now in the community. We need to go out there. When someone's yelling at us, calling us names, we got to be able to share the love of Christ with them. If our character's not formed, we can't do that. We become just like them. That's what I was telling you. Don't go back toe-to-toe. You respond with Christ. And Christ took it. He took it. He didn't fight back. Because we get the closer we get to Christ, the more we fight like Christ. And we love him into the kingdom. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. You can curse me, but I'm, I'm going to love you. He said, love your, na- love your enemies, love your neighbors, love your enemies. He's talking about people that really hate you. That's a key. That's scripture. That's scripture is something. That scares you. Oh, I can't complain about? Nope. You got five seconds, but you better repent. <laughs> so strong hope. God wants us to have a strong hope. And we know we can't learn endurance without suffering or pressure. Which takes us now, when you have that, you have what we call, the last one is a confident hope. Confident hope. Verse 5 says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He has poured out in our hearts. God's love has been poured out in our hearts, I'm sorry, through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. The Holy Spirit poured the love of God into our hearts. Now, let me give you a snapshot of what that means. A lot of times we talk about Joel that God's going to pour out his, his Holy Spirit upon everybody. But also a distinctive ministry of the Holy Spirit is to pour God's love into us. Like when we received Christ, we felt something like, I am loved because you are loved. 
you are loved. What he did, he says, what he does, when he pours it out, he actually takes you and helps you remember. He reminds you of the proven love that God has for us. He points us back to the cross where Jesus died on the cross for us, his creation. When we could not save ourselves, we couldn't do anything on our own, God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us, for the sins we're yet to commit. Now, to do that, God's word in him, in his uh, vocabulary, love is a verb. He sent his only son. So we can never say, I don't have, I don't feel loved. Yes, you don't feel love from external, but you got to understand, even though you're not walking with God, even you never accepted God, Christ died for you. And you are special because he didn't die for garbage. He didn't say, well, they'll never get it, so I'm not doing it. No, it's not soap operas. It's the kingdom of God. Regardless of what they'd say, I don't see the sin. I see a human being. I see the creating, the creation of my, of my, I see my creation. The same way I get hurt when one creation kills the other. It's a creation thing. But he says, you're special. I'm going to die even though you won't accept me yet. Because you're just that special. You got to realize when you get back to the garden, he created everything. Hand, animals. He's oh. I got one more, a man, a woman, to tend to my creation, to multiply. Then he said this, they are very good. Everyone else was good. They are very good. It means they are special. They are a part of me. They are my old day. They're created in the image of God. And everyone said, what does God look like? You, 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 you. We all look like God. So when we see creation dies, we see a child of God killed. His creation killed, wiped out. Not a person, creation. And we reject him. That's why he said, how can we love him? Because he first loved us. That's proven love. So the Holy Spirit proves it whenever the devil comes and says, you're not worth it. You'll never amount to anything, which your kids are hearing all day. This is not going to be it. The only way you're going to get out of here is you sell drugs and, and all those other things. And when you ask the kid the other day, why do you keep doing it? It's the only way to get out of, get out of, uh, get out of here. I said, you're going to get out of here? Being, you're not a gangster. You're not even good close to a gangster. Let me pl- take you to New York. I'll take you some places. You won't measure up. But why are you like, they think that's the only way out because the expectation of hopelessness. See what hopelessness does? They have no hope that they're God's creation. They have no hope that they're loved because they don't have two parents. They think they're a mistake. But when the God I know shows up in their heart, they'll take orphans and he makes them children. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. My love will never let you. You can't, and I love Romans 8, you can't do anything to separate ourselves from God's love because it's already been executed. Isn't that amazing? Already been executed. So we can have confidence and hope. It's a proven act of love. 
I love what Psalm 62, 5 and 6, this is David writing. Listen, I want you to give you a backdrop on this. David was anointed king, and the guy he was going to take, was going to take his place decided, I'm going to spend seven, some years kind of kill you. So he's in a cave right now. Look what he says. For God alone, because he was all by himself. <laughs> Not really. God was with him. Oh, my soul. You ever tell you my soul? You got to talk to your soul. Wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He is my rock, my ground. He is my salvation. He's going to save me out of this rock. I don't know when. I don't know how, but I know he is. Come on, somebody. He is my fortress, and I love, I love the famous prophet. What's his name? Um, gosh. E, MC Hammer said it the right way. Can't touch this. That's my fortress. Y'all got y'all to get out more. And I shall not be shaken. The reason why we can have unshakable hope, because we have God, unshakable God, who's the source of our hope. It's the very source of our hope. But he doesn't even, he doesn't even stop there. He's actually in the Bible, in Romans 15 again, he says he's the God of all hope. 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all, everyone say all, all. joy and peace and believing reason why I can have joy and peace and believe me because my hope, long-range goal, my long-range faith is already covered by the promises of God. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It means the Holy Spirit will remind me that I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. I am loved. And the labels that people have given me are null and void because I am a child of God. I am truly loved. I have a sure future. I have joy in that future. My hope, every time he does something great in my life, my hope gets stronger in the pressure of life. The last one is I'm confident that his love will never, ever, ever, ever let me down. Never. It'll never fade away. It'll never let me down. He'll never, he hasn't, and here's what, here's the thing is, if you have not given your life to Christ, he hasn't dropped you because you're still breathing. Think about that. And you'll say, I should have been dead. Yeah, but who do you think was with you the whole time? Because he has a purpose for you has a vision for you. In fact, he thinks he believes more in you, in you than you do in yourself sometimes. Because he's a God of all hope. And I didn't put the scripture here, but the other one is the great mystery that's going to be revealed, which is being revealed right now in the earth that's been hidden is God in us. The hope of glory. Pastor Rich, where's glory coming from? The church. How are we going to change the campus? With the glory of God. Know why, the enemy, know why that's a valuable place? Because this is where they went the first night on Friday night. 
They went to the campus to change those minds. But when we put the gospel on that campus, it's going to wipe out every lie that was been spoken over that campus. Christ in you, in you, say this, you. Just put your hand on your finger. Okay, this. I always say this. Everyone's waiting for the Calvary. Guess what? You're it. They're not coming. You're it. Where's the reinforcements? You're it. Where's my reinforcement? Look that way. That's your reinforcement. Look that way. That's my reinforcement. Don't look like you. Don't talk like you. But they have a mission with you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. How do we change the world? How do we change the campus? How do we change the community? One salvation at a time, which we had this morning. God gave his life to Jesus this morning. From evil to there. They said, Pastor Rich, how do we wipe out evil? Start with yourself. If you're not accepted Christ, you're walking in the evil zone. It's not popular today, but God wants to save your life. So I'll stand.